Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I want to begin today's show by looking at the end, if you uh, get my drift. You know, every single day on this program, and we have done this now for a long time, we conclude the show by doing our Gator Hater Countdown. Now, the reason why we do that is, and we've said this now for a long time, probably don't say it now quite as often as I used to, maybe I should say it more as a reminder, is that we believe that a good Georgia fan is a Gator Hater first and foremost. And we started doing this in 2016. It was about a year after we had taken the air on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. It was right after Florida had beaten Georgia again in 2016. And I was so tired of Florida beating Georgia, so tired of Georgia losing that, that what we really wanted to do was try to kind of like cast a vision for how I thought the Georgia fans ought to think. And the initial kind of birth of all this was not just, hey, I want Georgia to beat Florida. It'd be fun if Georgia beats Florida because for a while, Florida had beaten Georgia far more often than we probably thought they probably should have. It was also one of those things that I was really at the time of the belief that measuring stick rivalries were very, very important. That if you were a Georgia fan and you wanted to call Georgia Tech your in-state rival, if you wanted to call them the program's biggest rival, that over the course of a long period of time, you know, you wouldn't necessarily get a whole lot out of beating Georgia Tech because in most years they weren't very good. That if you really wanted to measure yourself and kind of give you something to sort of shoot for and attain for, like treating Florida as your biggest rival over a team like Georgia Tech would just be more valuable thinking over the course of the long haul. After all, you know, Florida had a big history of winning the SEC East. They'd won it frequently. Two different head coaches of Florida, they'd won national championships. That if you really wanted to kind of challenge yourself, you wouldn't view a relatively meager program like Georgia Tech as your most hated rival. You would view a program like Florida as your most hated rival just because of what it would mean over the course of a five-year, 10-year, 20-year period if you were beating them more often than not. That's what we sort of established there. We kind of started the example at the time of, hey, look at Auburn and Alabama. You know, Alabama being, you know, hiring Nick Saban has sort of spurred Auburn on to, to get better. And Auburn's response to that was, you know, they won a national championship in 2010. They played for one in 2013. And that kind of created a response to Alabama where, you know, they sort of took their program to another height under Nick Saban and kind of the the challenge of the rival, the competition within the rival, I think made both programs better sort of over time that we sort of thought that Georgia would be better as a program if it really kind of viewed Florida as its most hated rival. Now, when we started talking about that way back then, the one thing I could have never imagined is is just how thoroughly dominant all of this would turn out to be for Georgia. That that very quickly after we kind of started doing the Gatorade countdown and saying, hey, we're going to mark time every single day between now and the next time Georgia plays Florida, we started off as kind of a revenge thing of we didn't think Georgia should have lost to Florida in 2016. So in 2017, we wanted all this to change. Well, gosh, Georgia beat them, what, 40? was it 42 to 7 that year just absolutely just thrashed almost shut him out you know florida had long uh, streak of not being shut out georgia almost got that shut out then and ever since then the dominance for georgia and, and and florida has just been on and on and on where georgia has just completely laid waste to the uh, as we call them around here the lousy stinking gators and here's the thing 
is I don't want you to take any of that for granted because all of that matters. It matters when Georgia does that on the football field, but it also matters when Georgia does that on the recruiting trail there as well. And we had another example of this here this weekend when Georgia got a, uh, a flipped commitment from Chauncey Bowens. I love on three what they did on this, you know, nice commit flip graphic. He was a gator. Now he's a dog. We would say it. He was a villain. Now he's a hero. He was a bad guy. Now he's a good guy. He has seen the light. He has had the kind. He has had the uh, 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 tr- tremendous change in heart. Now he understands that it's the Georgia side they ought to be on, not those lousy, stinking Gators. And this is obviously one of those things that Georgia's kind of done quite a bit here lately, which is get involved in the state of Florida, guys that might have gone to Florida, winning that flip commitment, getting them. Uh, you know, Chauncey Bowen's just the latest example of this. But that level of dominance that Georgia's shown in recruiting, whether it be guys like Warren Brinson or Jalen Carter, whatever you want to think of, where Georgia goes into the state of Florida pulling out a big-time recruit, whatever example you want to cite on that, it's the kind of thing that you shouldn't lose sight of. Because you want to go back many, many years ago, you know, this was the ultimate measuring stick for Georgia's. Can you compete alongside Florida? Can you start beating Florida? Can you take care of these lousy, stinking Gators? Well, the fact that Georgia has done that so well should not make you as a Georgia fan diminish the value of going out there and doing it all over again, whether it be on the football field, whether it be on the recruiting trail here with Chauncey Bowens. Now, listen. I think there's a lot to like about Bowens as a player. Dell McGee has obviously had a tremendous eye for talent when it comes to the running back position. Bowens sort of represents that all over again uh, for Georgia targeting a back here. We think that Georgia's going to need some help at the running back position next year, just given what's likely to kind of you know happen here uh, with with you know guys like Kendall Milton moving on, things like that. So restocking the coffers, the running back position, going to be very important. Obviously, Bowen's one of those guys that has a chance to do it. But for now, the way in which Georgia fans are sort of responding to all of this is, hey, another win against Florida, and I'm here to tell you that still really matters. Because think about this just for a moment. In the future, there's a lot we don't know about the SEC. We don't know beyond 2024. We have kind of a placeholder stopgap in in place for for 2024 of an eight-game conference slate. But then after that, we don't know if the future of the SEC is going to be an eight-game conference schedule or if it's going to be a nine-game conference schedule. We don't know if in the in the future Georgia is going to have one permanent opponent it plays each and every year or if it's going to have three permanent opponents it plays each and every year. There's a lot we don't know about Georgia's future schedule. But there is one big thing that we think we know. There is one big assumption that we feel pretty free to make, that whether the SEC plays an eight-game conference slate moving forward with one permanent opponent or a nine-game conference slate moving forward with three permanent opponents, Georgia's going to play Florida each and every year. And so the fact that Georgia knows it's going to be playing Florida and the fact that Georgia currently has this level of dominance over Florida where it's slapping it down on the field, it's taking whatever recruit it wants to take from it at any point in time seemingly that wants to do so. The fact this was true under Jim McElwain, and then it was true under Dan Mullen, and now it seems to still be true under Billy Napier. That is such a huge advantage for Georgia because ultimately when we started talking about the Gator haters you know, countdown and, you know, viewing Florida as this program's biggest rival and the importance of establishing a level of dominance or a level of, at the time, it was about establishing a level of success and it sort of turned into a level of dominance. We sort of started 
all that and saying all that, it was about the stair steps of progression. That if you want to win a national championship, which at the time seemed like a little bit of a pipe dream, now it's back-to-back national championships. But if you wanted to do that, the stair steps of getting there is, hey, well, of course you got to win the conference and make the playoff before you can win the national championship, and you've got to win your division before you can make the SEC championship. And we said, hey, the step towards winning the division is the number one division rival you have, those lousy, stinking Gators of Florida, you got to start beating them. And if you can beat Florida, then maybe you can win the division. If you can win the division, maybe you can make the SEC championship. And from there, you can be in the playoff. And from there, you win the national championship. Those stair steps of progression have worked out just like that for Georgia. Uh, and yet, even though now it seems like Georgia has far distanced itself from Florida, don't take for granted just how good uh, and how special all that's been. In fact, I want to go back a couple of years ago. As I said before, you know, Billy Napier has been hired as the Florida coach and has done little to change what has been in place between these two schools, these two rivals now, for a good number of years. But at one point in time, not all that long in the past, it didn't seem obvious to a lot of national folks, a lot of folks kind of outside the bubble of Dog Nation, that it was all going to work out quite this way. There were plenty of people who sort of thought, well, hey, Kirby Smart may have kind of gotten the jump on Florida, you know, beat him in 2017, beat him, you know, in 2018. But there's a big response coming. In fact, there was a period of time when Dan Mullen was Florida coach it was sort of thought that Mullen was going to build the Florida program up to be Georgia's equal. And there was going to be this battle taking place with Georgia and Florida that actually made for a while there, Georgia and Florida sort of look like the premier rivalry in all the SEC. In fact, one of the guys that was probably the most, uh, I guess, outspoken and kind of fanning the flames for all this was Paul Feinbaum. Feinbaum went on WJOX, sports radio station in Birmingham, and he would talk about just how important the Georgia-Florida rivalry had become to what he really wants, which is getting phone calls and you know making a radio show a little easier to do. And he had kind of talked about just how much energy existed around the Georgia-Florida rivalry. Y'all, this is just a couple of years ago. The fact that Georgia has blown so far past this, don't take this for granted. Here's Paul Feinbaum for some context. I, I will tell you, uh, it was, I think, four or five years ago, whenever we went down to the cocktail party for the first time, I have to be blunt. I tried to feign enthusiasm for it. You guys, I mean, we're from the same uh, area of the, of the SEC. Uh, that was a foreign uh, occurrence to me. I mean, I, I watched it every year, late October, early November, because Alabama and Auburn usually did not have a big game that day. But it didn't mean a thing. But I, after going for four or five years in a row, to, I mean, and listening to Florida and Georgia fans talk like that is the rivalry in the SEC, I mean, I I understand it more now. I mean, it took me a long time to wrap my arms around it. Florida is a member of the SEC, but it's its own entity in many ways. But, uh, you know, Dan Mullen understands the game as well as any coach I've seen since Furrier. And I know he's a, he's a Meyer, Urban Meyer protege, but, but, he, but I swear he, he's got some D. I want to chuck his DNA. He's related to Spurrier somehow. <laughs> So, I mean, that's what was being said way back then. In that same uh, interview, Feinbaum would go on to say, hey, if I want the phone calls to ring now, I don't talk Auburn, Alabama. I talk Georgia, Florida. Uh, he called the rivalry vicious. He said, you know, that's what it's all about, that Mullen was supposed to be this sort of next-generation version of Steve Spurrier, the guy that was supposed to put Kirby Smart in his place or at least kind of play as a little bit more of an equal to Kirby Smart. Well, you know, you know, Kirby you know, slapped Mullen around and finally sent him to the unemployment line, and Billy Napier is supposed to be hired and change all that. And yet nothing has changed. Georgia is still on top in this rivalry. Georgia is still dominant here in this rivalry, both in recruiting and on the field, and Chauncey Bowen's commitment, the flip from Florida over the weekend, the latest example of it. It's one of those things you should sit back and you should appreciate. Let's face it. 
you know, the the recruiting cycle from year to year can kind of feel sort of long. You know, sometimes we want this stuff to kind of wrap up pretty quickly. But the truth is the tale is told over the course of many months. And you need sort of small wins on the way to kind of keep the momentum and make you feel excited about the big win that comes when it's all said and done and Georgia putting together another elite class. Well, that's what this weekend was. Georgia kind of gave you a little bit of a nugget. We're led to believe, oh, there's many silent commitments. And the huge number of official visitors that, that – that kind of showed up at Georgia this weekend. Many more of them will fall in place for this 2024 class eventually. Maybe some of that comes in the next you know, few days, next couple of weeks. For all I know, that very well could be true. But for now, the dog gave you something to enjoy this past weekend, flipping a running back away from Florida, putting him in this 2024 class from Georgia. That's one of those things that dog fans have gotten pretty used to as of late, seeing Georgia beat up on Florida on the field and in recruiting. And no matter how many times you see it happen, don't ever take it for granted. It's one of the things that makes Georgia special. It's one of the things that makes being a dog fan during this era really, really fun. Georgia has laid waste to its hated rival, and that is one of the reasons that Georgia's been able to establish itself as the premier program in the entire sport. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. We are happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us, live on video, 10 a.m., uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960. The Ref are available as a podcast wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Just really happy to have you a part of the program here today, no matter how you choose to kind of connect with us. We're just really glad that you did. And a huge thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making it possible. If you're watching the show right now, you see the nice Pella uh, sign right there behind me. It's a reminder of the relationship we have together. One of our great sponsors allows us to do this show each and every Monday. We're so thankful to have them as part of the program. But I'm also thankful for what they do for so many of the folks in our audience there as well. Because if you listen to or watch our show and you're a homeowner, you know how important it is to take care of that home and really do everything you can to make it look good on the outside, feel good on the inside. And that is what Palo Window and Door of Georgia is all about. You know, survey after survey, year after year, here in our market area, Pella is really recognized as the brand leader. Uh, really, we always say Pella Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. The reason why that is is because these are just better windows and doors. And this time of year when you know it's hot outside, you got that stormy weather outside, you want all that stuff to stay on the outside where it's supposed to be. That's what the Pella windows and the Pella doors allow you to do. Or that AC that you're cranking up at full blast right now, keeping that on the inside of your house, not creeping out through you know pro- improperly sealed windows or poorly fitted doors, something like that. You'll never have that problem when it comes to Pella window and doors. They're just really good, uh, and they make your house look better, make it feel better. And I think it's time for you to kind of learn more about this so schedule that in-home consultation or stop by and see them there at their experience center in Duluth I really like that I've been there before it's a really impressive place because you can put your hands on the product you can feel it you can really recognize what makes it better you can also have a no pressure consultation to kind of educate yourself about this talk to one of those Pella experts they'll tell you about the product line they'll tell you about your installation options they'll tell you if necessary about your financing options they'll tell you about all of that and they could even tell you about some special savings you get right now as well because point now in June 30 that's the end of the month you can get 10% off your entire project or no payments no interest for 12 months so please stop by and see them in Duluth just tell them that uh BA from Dog Nation Daily sent you to them and I told you they'd take care of you because I know they will or you can kind of talk to them by phone 678-638-1429 that's 678-638-1429 or online PellaofGA.com slash Dog Nation that's PellaofGA.com slash Dog Nation just tell them as I said before BA from Dog Nation Daily 
told you they would take good care of it because I know they're going to do that for you. That's why Pella Window Indoor of Georgia is viewed to be the best. All right, we're going to have John Stinchcomb coming up in just a moment. John was a part of a really cool uh, thing this past week. Uh, actually inducted in shrine, going to be enshrined into the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. We'll celebrate that with John here coming up in just a little bit. Prior to that, I want to go around the doghouse. And this is a little bit weird. Uh, this is not something we talk about a ton necessarily around here, but it was one of those things that Kirby Smart was talking about the other day at SEC Spring Meetings. I just wanted to play it just, uh, just because I thought it was kind of interesting. So Kirby was asked about the fact that, you know, we've seen the idea of college athletes and gambling be a little bit more in the forefront of conversation as of late because the Alabama baseball coach uh, got fired uh, for this very reason. You know, I saw where Alabama <laughs> just got absolutely blasted by Wake Forest uh, yesterday, and it's super regional. They lost by 17 runs of what, like like 22 to five or something like that. And I was thinking, gosh, it's very hard for a 17 run loss to end your season, to only be the second most embarrassing thing to happen to you all year long. But for Alabama baseball, that's obviously the case, knowing their baseball coach was fired a little earlier uh, for his involvement in you know what appeared to be betting on an Alabama baseball game. And we saw some uh, athletes kind of mixed up in this, like what, Iowa, Iowa State maybe. Uh, you know, you've had some of that kind of stuff going on where there's been some questions asked of, hey, what are athletes doing and what are they allowed to do as it relates to the gambling space? We've obviously seen, you know, the proliferation of uh, – legalized gambling i believe it's either legal or set to be legal in 37 states now so kirby smart was asked about this at sec spring meetings of the day this isn't necessarily important because it's not really in the headlines for georgia right now but i did think that smart had some interesting things to say about it so let me let you hear a little bit of kirby talking about kind of what the message is to players as it relates to the now legalized world of gambling which we live in right now this is kirby ours was pretty strong because we've had issues with that too in the past and um, it's more prevalent I, I can't turn on a TV now without seeing something and you know there's there's a lot of debate about there about what's right and what's wrong but the NCAA rule is pretty harsh for gambling relative to some other things and it's pretty obvious why because they don't want that to infiltrate and there's a lot of states I know including ours that that's been a great debate whether to allow that to come into your state and it's more about revenue for the state it's more about protection for your schools, but these kids can do this regardless of what state. You know, it's easy access. I mean, I, when I turn on the TV in a sports game, sports sporting event, I see it everywhere. So we try our best to educate the players, and, and sometimes it takes somebody having a pitfall to learn from the, their mistake. It's amazing to me uh, how much, you know, the average sort of coach, player, how little sometimes they kind of know about the gambling space just because in some respects they just don't live in that world necessarily. That Those of us who are not coaches, players, you know, we just kind of are maybe a little bit more aware of what the gambling space is even like because the, you know, the, the coaches, the players are so kind of entrenched in their own sport they don't necessarily realize this. And I think one of the things you talk about the education part of all of that, I think one of the things that's important to educate players on is – is that, you know, if you're a college baseball player, for instance, you want to bet on a college baseball game, they will figure it out. You cannot do this in secrecy because most of these games just don't have a lot of money bet on them. You know, college baseball games have very little money bet on them. In, in fact, 
the Alabama baseball game that was in question, you know, a couple of months ago, there's one of the big betting houses that reported they didn't have a single bet placed on the entire game. So it's not uncommon for a small sporting event, even one involving SEC teams, to have almost no action on it whatsoever. College basketball, a little bit more uh, likely to have some bets, but the typical midweek college basketball game does not have a lot of money bet on it either. So if all of a sudden somebody really feels like they know who's going to win, or if they feel like the winner of the game is going to be a little closer than the experts think, and they try to put some big bucks down on that, it will be obvious that something is up. I've jokingly, half-jokingly said before, the sports book knows something's weird because you're not supposed to win. When you do win, there's an investigation of, hey, exactly what, 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 what went on here? And if it can trace back to an athlete, it's just very hard to get away with all of this. And so of all the education part of that is, if you think you're smart enough to kind of get a big bet down and going to get away with this, the odds are, and I'm not talking about a Georgia football thing because there's no real evidence of that, but when you talk about the uh, – the, the the message that Georgia might want to send to its players, that's what it is. Uh, hey, if you try to get away with this, the odds are you probably won't because these sports books, when they lose money, they have pretty good ways of going back and tracing some of this kind of stuff. But Kirby Smart did talk more about, you know, kind of the the opportunity to kind of educate and sort of learn all about this and just, just how prevalent all this is right now. It's just kind of an interesting thing to hear Kirby Smart talking about. Here he is again from SEC Spring Meetings. I don't know that they completely understand it. I think what's happening now is it's becoming much more prevalent and they, they have to because what you just said, I didn't even understand the app. I didn't even know it because I don't gamble, I don't bet, I don't, I don't have those apps. Or when you go start researching it, and, and we were researching it really in the last year, it's like, I mean, these kids, they have it on, there's, there's like Chinese baseball games and stuff that people are, are gambling on. It's like, what? I mean, they're, they're betting on horse racing in another country. And it's, 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 it's literally crazy how easy it is and the access they have to it. And then the punishment, you have to ask yourself, oh my gosh, this guy could lose his entire eligibility forever for betting on a horse race you know, in another country. So uh, we, we had these same cycles back when the coaches were doing the NCAA and the, 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 the you know, guys that got in trouble for filling out the tournament bracket. I mean, education is the key and uh, making sure they understand the rules and they have the discipline to follow them. So I guess my only real takeaway on this is, can you imagine like what it's like being a coach these days where it just sort of feels like you're having to talk about so much stuff all the time? And there's this and there's that, and now all of a sudden the gambling part of that's there too. And I think that Kirby might be slightly wrong on that. I mean, if a player is of age and if he's in kind of a legal jurisdiction, then as long as it's not his sporting event, players aren't barred from betting, like you said, a horse race in another country. You're not necessarily barred on from doing that if it's not your sport right I don't know maybe uh he knows more about that than I do obviously he probably would but the point is is that the whole thing is just really really you know a complicated thing another layer of complication for these coaches to deal with it's obviously kind of in the news right now because we've had a couple of instances in other states where this has kind of been of uh, an issue and Kirby Smart says hey we've been talking about our players about this for quite some time it's also been a huge issue in the NFL whether it be Calvin Ridley or there was another uh you know uh you know, thing where this kind of came up that that this is one of those things that sports in some form or fashion are having to kind of deal with right now and Kirby Smart says that Georgia we've been dealing with this for quite some time so at least in terms of the message they try to send to a player so interesting stuff from Kirby Smart on that we'll make that around the doghouse here on a dog nation daily presented by Palo window and door of Georgia today so here was our original plan you know Georgia put out a really nice graphic the day I was going to show it to you and I just honestly forgot to uh, a really nice graphic of all of the former players who are going into the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. We had that announcement on Friday, who's going in. 
and you got a couple of Georgia staffers right now, Jarvis Jones and Mike Bobo. Obviously, Mike's the offensive coordinator. They are going in huge number of former players on their way in there as well. I had planned on talking to John Stinchcomb about that here today. John's going to join us in a moment. Here's what I had not really realized, is that John is actually in the midst of an amazing trip right now. I didn't know this. Uh, John's actually going to join us here in a minute from Morocco. This will be the first time that we've ever had uh, an international guest here on our program, at least in terms of an international, you know, someone calling from uh, from you know outside our, our our country's boundaries here. But John is uh, in Morocco having a great time. Sent me some photos a little earlier of himself enjoying his time there. Uh, some beautiful photos, beautiful place, uh, really kind of amazing. Uh, John here on a camel. I wish I had this to uh, put on the screen here. I, I don't, but we'll have to show this here pretty soon. Uh, it's really pretty amazing stuff of uh, John Stinchcomb there. Uh, he and his lovely wife on the camels there in Morocco with the beach and the ocean behind him. So John, even in the midst of all of this, uh, is going to join us on the program today. Now, I will tell you, I have no idea what time it is. I'm not even sure what day it is. We crossed the international date line. I don't know any of that. Uh, but we'll uh, make good use of John's time right now by talking to him about all of this here today on uh, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So, John, this is truly quite amazing. I don't believe we've ever had someone calling us from another continent before, but you are in Morocco today. I just learned this. I probably should have known this before now, but just learned this here this morning. And I guess I'm impressed. Like, what time is it in Morocco? Are we uh, – is it the middle of the night there? Is it the day? Like, like what, what time is it in Morocco right now? Well, when I left Spain this morning, um, I actually gained and or lost an hour. So it's only 3.20 here in Morocco. Uh, when we go back to Spain tonight, it'll be, you know, we lose that hour. So I, I, it may be 3.20, it may be 4.20, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, we're, we're in front of you at least a few hours. So is it 3.20 in the afternoon, is that right? That's right. Yeah. Okay, not 3.20 yeah. in the morning, thankfully. For a later lunch. No. No. Also, you know, like one of my all-time favorite movies is Casablanca. Like, have you been to Rick's Cafe? Have you, you know, have you seen any of the Casablanca <laughs> type stuff? Because truly, one of the great movies of all time. So, no, haven't made it down to Casablanca. We did uh, rock the Casbah a few minutes ago, a little well, there uh, a while ago. At least we walked the Casbah. I don't know if we rocked it. Well, there you go. Yeah, we certainly got to see some of that. So I wanted to obviously talk to you about this. This comes out on Friday. I was so proud. You know, I'm on the board for the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame, so I was a part of the voting process on this. And such a well-deserved honor to see you going in as a part of our second class, along with a lot of other former dogs there as well. And I just wanted to sort of uh, personally say congratulations here on what, as, as I said, was a well-deserved honor for you. Congratulations on being recognized as a part of the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame, uh, John. Well, I appreciate it. I didn't know where to send my payments, so now that I know <laughs> that you're a voting member, I, I can address it correctly. But, you know, it's quite an honor not only to um, be recognized for, for my accomplishments back in high school, but just looking at the class um, of, of other not only nominees that were nominated as potential inductees, but to see that final list of, of this second class, it's pretty distinguished. And I'm just grateful and humbled to, to be a part of it. And obviously the University of Georgia is well represented. And, yeah. um, you know, some, some serious dog power in that group. 
Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where I really like this because, I mean, obviously we know you as a George Bulldog, probably first and foremost for our audience, but also you're going to have a great career in the NFL. You won a Super Bowl, as we've talked about many times before. But when it comes to your high school career, when it comes to the kind of, I guess, version of this game that got it all started for you, you know, what do you remember about playing in high school and what was special to you about that time? Obviously, Parkview, a great program at that time, you know, probably the best era for Parkview football overall. But, you know, what became, I guess, special about the game to you while you were playing in high school? Well, I think the first memory that really stood out that this uh, four-year experience is going to be unique and special came my sophomore year when, you know, for the first time in Parkview history, we went 14-0 and heading to the state championship, and another name on the nominee list is Quincy Carter. So we played Southwest DeKalb, and uh, you got Quincy, and uh, on our way there, Jamal Lewis was running back from – uh, Douglas that, that we played against and you go, man, this is some high level, serious football that gets played across the state and, and to be a part of that um, it, it was really special and I think it's only been built on that was foundational in those years as to where it's gotten now um, and just to be another brick in the layer uh, of solid football that Georgia plays, uh, it's an honor for all of us. And I'll tell you this, which is that one of the things I have loved about my sort of voting process and all this is, is it's given me a chance to learn a lot more about like the high school careers of guys that, I mean, you obviously assume they were very good because they've gone on to great things since then. But like a guy that you played with at both Georgia and the Saints, like Charles Grant, when you go back and read about what he did in high school, and I've had so many different <laughs> versions of this where the stats are amazing. Our good friend Terrence Edwards a little bit like this a year ago, where you're like you look at what he actually did, like the tangible, measurable stats that he put up, and you're like, gosh, that's amazing for him as a quarterback. You know, for Charles Grant, both a running back and a guy that played defense, and there are a million other examples of this there as well, where I've just really kind of become more acquainted with specifically how good some of these players are John I can't tell you how much fun a lot of that is to to go back and have a special appreciation for just how prolific some of these careers were no no question I think Charles is a premier example I, I remember you know you go on these recruiting trips and you see some of the same faces and we would uh, cross paths multiple times as recruits and just to understand that you, know, you look at the name tags and you see him half the time listed as a running back, and you're going, you got to be kidding me. That guy is enormous and was as muscular at 17 and 18 as I would never be. So it was, it was impressive. And you watched his film. There's two guys in that era whose high school film really stood out, and it was Charles Grant and Darnell Dockett. Yeah. And if you ever had a chance to, to watch some of their highlights from – high school it was men playing amongst boys and yeah you know, I, I go on and there's not a teammate that i had for a longer period of time than charles grant so you know obviously we were in georgia together and then in new orleans for years and uh there was many times where he was my worst nightmare but you also realize that he's you know one of my closest brothers in life at this point yeah. so it's one of those things that you never know where football is going to take you, and you're grateful for it. And being a part of Georgia football is another layer of something that's truly special. You know, let me uh, change the subject here for a moment. I, you're out of the country, so you may not be aware of this, but Georgia got a nice flip over the weekend. Chauncey Bowens, a running back committed to Florida, 
has decided he's seen the light. He's a convert now. He's on his way to the University of Georgia, which I love. And the point that I made to our audience before you join us, John, is is that you know this kind of seems old hat now, where it seems like you know Georgia's beating Florida in the football field each and every year. Georgia is winning major recruiting battles against Florida and many times flipping players away from Florida each and every year. But to me, no matter how commonplace it becomes – it is an important building block for the program. Around here, we always talk about good Georgia fans being Gator haters and the importance of beating up on Florida. And the fact that Georgia has done that so consistently, John, I don't believe that lessens the significance of it whatsoever. From your perspective, how valuable is it the fact that Georgia, who's seemingly going to be playing Florida every year moving forward, even with all the change afoot in the SEC, Georgia's going to continue to be playing Florida each and every year um, how important is it that Georgia's established this level of dominance over these lousy, stinking Gators? It, it's huge, and it's, it talks to the competitive nature of our staff and really the culture that's been cultivated in the University of Georgia. It's not just on Saturdays. It has to be in recruiting. And you know, I thought the, the message last year as we went into the season is we're not, hunt, we're not the hunters. We're the hunters. And that continues to be reflected throughout the entire program. I don't, I don't think the word complacency is allowed within the walls of the Buttsmere because in every aspect, whether it's practice or, or a position battle or uh, among recruiting, there is such a hunger and a tenacity in the approach in which Coach Smart and his entire staff uh, take as they go towards uh, not only what happens during the season, but what leads up to it is the reason why there is such a great separation between the University of Georgia and 99% of the other colleges that are that are playing football at this level because there is a huge separation. And uh, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that anytime you, you can poach some uh, of the talent that Florida might be able to recruit in a short period of time, uh, that is a huge victory for Georgia because, uh, you know, you have to be aware of your any companies doing a SWOT analysis. One of the things you're looking at is what are the threats. And in the East, if you can maintain that separation and make sure that the talent that's going uh, against your com- or to your competitor is inferior to what you got, you're positioning yourself for success. So big win for Georgia, yet another in a long list of, uh, recruiting victories that Coach Smart seems to string together year after year. We'll let you go after this. Speaking of the Georgia-Florida rivalry, we had some news come out last week about the expanded, or I should say improved stadium there in Jackson. This thing is going to be completely reimagined, kind of bringing it to sort of a state-of-the-art facility the way that it kind of hasn't been in the past. What kind of impact do you think uh, an improved stadium – you know, you know, better facility down there in, uh, in Jackson. What do you think that could have impact on, like, the future of the Georgia-Florida uh, rivalry? We, we've talked about this before, about whether or not it stays in Jacksonville long-term, kind of seeing the commitment the Jaguars seem to have in proving that stadium and the role they think that Georgia-Florida plays in kind of, you know, a permanent home in that new uh, improved stadium. What do you think this means for the future of the cocktail party, the fact that the Jaguars seem very serious about making this a very – uh, improved stadium, as, as certainly as opposed to what it has been over the course of the last few years? Well, we're talking about recruiting. What a, what a better way to do it than to improve facilities. And I think the University of Georgia, as well as the entire conference, has positioned themselves for some flexibility um, in scheduling and options. 
and for Jacksonville to recognize that they need to be competitive and provide something of, of a higher quality to draw Georgia and, and Florida back into that environment. I think they're recognizing that, yeah, I'm sure there's other factors in why they're making those improvements, but it certainly is a factor in something, a, a chip they can play, a card they can put on the table that says, we want this game to stay here, and, and that matters. So as I get ready to say goodbye to you, I don't have this photo to show our audience. I'm sure at some point in time I will. But uh, you shared this with me, you and uh, your lovely wife riding a camel there on the beach. What is the well, – yeah, I don't know if we can quite get this zoomed in for people to see it, but uh, what is that like? There we go. Look at that. Boy, nice technology here. Kind of see a little bit of a version of that. Uh, John, what's that like? Is that – I guess is that more nervous for you climbing on top of the camel or for the camel to have a former NFL <laughs> offensive tackle climbing on top of it? Uh, who was more nervous, you or the camel in this particular situation? Uh, I, I- I was certainly grateful that he was able to stand up with me on his back. But it was, uh, it's one of those things where uh, you're not expecting to be riding a camel on the beach of Morocco and, and the northernmost part of the continent of Africa. Sure. So unique way to start the day, to say the least. No doubt about that, John. Life takes us some interesting places over the course of a uh, of a long lifespan, for sure. So, John, we're going to let you get back and enjoying all of that. We appreciate you taking some time away from a wonderful trip to be a part of our show here today. So thank you so much for that. Safe travels, and we look forward to talking to you again, I guess, from a more normal uh, confine again very soon. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's always great to be a dog, and even when you're tra- traveling internationally. So, from Morocco. Go dogs. Go dogs right back to you, John. Absolutely. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. One of our good friends on Twitter had sent me a uh, message saying today was his birthday. <laughs> this is a true story. And his birthday wish was that I would say go dogs back to John when John said it. Because that's John's sign off each and every week. He always says that. He, uh, he always says go dogs. It's just what he always does. And so he wanted me to say go dogs back to uh, John. So there you go. I will give the go dogs back to John today as uh, he joins us there. And uh, certainly uh, very impressive to kind of join us there from Morocco being riding on the uh, camel. That is truly, uh, truly amazing. Uh, A really amazing thing. So uh, happy to have John joining us there. Some very interesting words from him and uh, always good to get his perspective as it relates to the Georgia Bulldogs from Morocco. And like I said before, one of my favorite movies is Casablanca. So at some point in time, I wouldn't mind going and seeing that over there. I've not really done a ton of the international travel, but at some point in time, other than the Caribbean, of course, which I'm seemingly at every three weeks. But uh, uh, but beyond that, have not done a ton of the international travel. One of these days, I hope I get a chance to do that for sure. And by the way, speaking of the Caribbean, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And there are lots of rumors afoot about Dog Nation Cruise 2024. Maybe able to tell you about some of this coming up very soon. I hope I can. I hope the rumors are true. You never really know, right? You hear rumors, you hear whispers, you're in your window. You never quite know how true a lot of it is. But we are led to believe that some good things could be happening very, very soon. Can't wait to get the chance to tell you all about that. Here's what I can also tell you, though. It's before the summer's done. I'm actually really excited. We get a chance to take a little bit of a weekend cruise with our family. I'm going to be going, taking my wife and kids. My brother, his family are going to be going. We're actually taking our mom on this cruise, and it's something that you know, we kind of gave her for Christmas and wanted to surprise her with there at Christmas. Amazing time as we kind of you know, were able to kind of spring that surprise on her and over the course of the last couple of months, just watching the excitement, the enthusiasm of 
everybody kind of realizing all the stuff we're going to get a chance to do. You know, last night we're kind of sitting around the house. We're watching some uh, YouTube videos. Just kind of we're going to be on board Independence of the Seas and looking at some of that. And just a really fun, exciting thing. I just love that. I love the anticipation for cruise. You've heard me say that before. The excitement of, hey, we're going to go here in Nassau. We're going to go here for Perfect Day Coco Cay. We're going to enjoy this while we're on board. Here's the specialty restaurant I want to eat at or the special thing I want to do on board the ship. There's all kinds of things that you might want to do. And if you haven't experienced this excitement for yourself, I truly believe that now's a great time to do that. Whether we head towards the end of 2023 or you look early 2024 with the debut of Icon of the Seas, whether you're going out of Port Canaveral, you know, just sort of south of us near Orlando or one of the other, you know, Florida ports like Port Lauderdale, Miami, or you're thinking about maybe going to Alaska or something like that. There's all kinds of great opportunities out there when it comes to a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. And Royal Caribbean believes it's a great Royal Caribbean cruise made even better when you have a great travel agent helping you out with it. Somebody asked me the other day, does Jessica Slater really book your cruise travel? Absolutely. She is the travel agent we have trusted for our Royal Caribbean cruise vacation needs. And so you can do like we do. We give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. And she can take care of whatever you need for your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation today. All right, we're going to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean for a moment. Interesting words. We had some stuff from Paul Feinbaum a little earlier. Interesting stuff as it relates to Paul Feinbaum. He was on WJOX this morning. That's the sports radio station in Birmingham. Uh, he kind of said something that I think is going to get some attention a little bit. That according to Feinbaum, now how he would know this when they haven't really been practicing, I don't know. But but he says that Jalen Milrow is actually pulling ahead in the Alabama quarterback competition a little bit. In other words, Tyler Buckner, who transfers in from Notre Dame, is not transferring in necessarily to be the uh, Alabama starter, according to what Paul Feinbaum says, that he might come here and be a backup. Now, it's important to note that had Buckner stayed at Notre Dame, there is a very good chance he's going to be the third-string quarterback. Even though he was starting at the end of the season and started in the bowl game against South Carolina, the truth is Sam Hartman had transferred over from Wake Forest. He was doing so with the idea of being the starter. Uh, you know, uh, Tommy Reese, the new Alabama offensive coordinator who had been at Notre Dame, you know, while he was at Notre Dame, he was pursuing Sam Hartman. So pretty clearly, uh, it seems like Reese knew he needed an upgrade over Buckner at quarterback at Notre Dame had he stayed. So you would presume his feelings about Buckner don't necessarily change just because he came to Alabama. But looking at what's going on with Ty Simpson, what's going on with Jalen Milrow, it seems like Alabama knew that it needed some quarterback depth. That's why you bring Buckner in to kind of bolster that and kind of, I guess, enhance your competition maybe. You might sort of say it that way. But according to what Paul Feinbaum says, and I guess you have to take this somewhat seriously because he's clearly getting this from somewhere, is that Buckner comes in, but it looks like it's Jalen Milrow who right now is sort of believed to be the favorite to win this job, which if you want to kind of do the sort of algebraic equation on this and solve for X, I guess that means that Ty Simpson, who at one point in time, was a touted recruit. I mean, at one point in time, Simpson was kind of viewed to be a major recruiting win. And moving into the 2023 calendar year, the 2023 season, a lot of Alabama fans were hoping because they what they saw from Milrow a year ago when Milrow played in place of an injured Bryce Young, most Alabama fans were not wild by this. They were not overwhelmed by this. They were not blown away by what they saw from Jalen Milrow. But they thought, well, maybe we'll be blown away by what we'll see from Ty Simpson. And if Milrow's kind of only this above average, you know, good, not great, maybe not even quite so good, then Simpson, because of how touted he was as a recruit, well, he's clearly destined to be better than this. 
But sometimes we know that recruits don't quite pan out to be exactly what they're supposed to be. Oftentimes, sometimes that happens. In the case of Ty Simpson, apparently he just is not it, or is the I guess the parlance of the moment. He is not him, apparently. And so it's either Milrow or it's going to be Buckner here. And for Alabama fans, they may have to get used to the idea that the quarterback that they were kind of underwhelmed by a year ago might be their starting quarterback here for this upcoming season, which actually kind of ties us back to something that Greg McElroy had talked about the other day, uh, about the idea that Alabama may try to get back to its roots here a little bit more. You know, run the football, try to play some good defense, and now you're left to conclude, and I think this has been kind of the overarching viewpoint for a while, that some of that return to roots for Alabama might be based on the necessity of they just sort of know that's what it is right now. That's what they're going to have to do. I think that's pretty interesting to consider. One more thing I want to give you here for a moment. So I've told you before, I have really been enjoying college baseball. I just think that this NCAA baseball tournament is probably the most underrated sporting event that exists anywhere. The regionals, you know, and going back to last weekend were a ton of fun. The super regionals were uh, ha- have been incredibly fun. We have two super regional games left. One of these involves an SEC team. A lot of y'all know. <laughs> Or at least some of you know that uh, I don't like Tennessee baseball very much. Uh, I would f- say that rooting against Tennessee baseball is a very fun thing to do. So we have a deciding game three in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, between Southern Miss and Tennessee today. So game one in this series was on Saturday. Weather was awful. He had to come back and conclude game one yesterday, basically yesterday morning. Southern Miss held on for the win there. Tennessee took care of him yesterday afternoon, so now you have deciding game three here today. Vols in baseball are always, you know, causing some sort of, you know, manufactured melodrama out of something. They're massively complaining about the fact that they had to go, you know, play on the road at Southern Southern Miss. That Southern Miss was tabbed to host the Super Regional. Tennessee baseball thinks it's beneath them to go on the road here. Even some of their media types were kind of complaining about that a little bit. Uh, so that's just another reason to dislike Tennessee baseball, I think. But we'll see if Southern Miss can hold serve at home and work its way into the College World Series here, or if Tennessee becomes another SEC entrant into the event. You know, last night we were watching uh, LSU hold off South Carolina and go into the College World Series, and you know the box uh, stadium there in uh, Baton Rouge is just rocking. It's one of the great venues for college baseball. My son. He asked me, he said, you know, Daddy, if uh, if Georgia was going to go to the College World Series, would their fans be going crazy like this too? And I said, yes, son, I believe they would. And I had to remind him that, hey, you know, Georgia actually has been to Super Regionals before, and Georgia's won Super Regionals in the past. And, you know, this has been a fan base that's been energized by baseball before. Uh, and then if you saw that happen again, maybe we will see that happen with the brand-new coach, Wes Johnson, then hi- Wes Johnson then hired, that maybe we will see this team kind of get back to that. But I believe, even though the LSU baseball fans are obviously probably the most passionate in the SEC, that I do believe that if Georgia could have some of that same level of success, that you would see a big response from Georgia fans to that. So hopefully we get a chance to enjoy that here in the very near future. And we'll always say, hey, maybe 2020 would have been the year. If not for the you know the, the horrible circumstance of having that season stolen from those players, that maybe we would have seen Georgia enjoying some of the success then because it had the two big major league baseball level pitchers or at least you know pro draft level pitchers. It had two big arms. It had the team maybe then to make the kind of run we've been seeing SEC teams making with regularity, but just you know unfortunate circumstances prevented that from happening. But I do believe the fun that SEC teams are having this time of year, going to Omaha and all the great stuff along with that 
that Georgia could be there with the right set of circumstances in place, maybe a brand-new coach will give them a chance to do that. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And I apologize. I should have mentioned this well before now. I think the excitement of uh, John Stinchcomb and the High School Football Hall of Fame kind of took this away from me. But don't forget that your time right now to get involved – and get in on a great giveaway is right now. Should have been should have mentioned this earlier before now. Need to make sure we do this before we close out today's show. They were actually running down on our final days because today's the 12th as I'm broadcasting here at the moment. You have between now and June 17th to get in on our Celebrate American Heroes giveaway courtesy of Traeger Grills and Kroger. You've heard me talk about this before. Someone's going to win a Traeger Ironwood XL Grill plus a Kroger $500 gift card. This is going to be an amazing giveaway. And here's how you could be the winner. All you got to do is tell a great story. By going to dognation.com, you can upload a photo or a short video. Someone in your life or someone that you know about that's been an American hero, someone who served our country or maybe serves your community, someone who just goes above and beyond to make our country a better place, your world a better place, someone who's personally impacted you or impacted the people around you, uh, you know, these average everyday American heroes who have just made life uh, great or made life better, whatever that story is for you, by telling that story, you could be a winner courtesy of Traeger Grills and Kroger. A Traeger Ironwood XL Grill that's valued at $2,000. A Kroger $500 gift card. Simply go to dognation.com, upload the photo of this person or or a short video telling about this person, telling that story about how that person has impacted you or the person or people that you know. And by telling that story, that could make you a winner courtesy of Kroger and you personally could walk away with the, with the Traeger Ironwood XL Grill, the Kroger $500 gift card. Dognation.com has got all the details that you need about this and your opportunity to submit your story that would make you a winner courtesy of Kroger and uh, Traeger Grills. So go to Dognation.com for a lot more on that. you got between now and June 17th to do so. It is crunch time getting involved on this, so make sure you do that today. Go to dognation.com for a lot more on all of that. Now we'll wrap up the show. Yeah, do not want to get that away. Uh, get, do not want to get out of here without doing a, a lot of that. So very, very important stuff on all of that. And we'll obviously shift gears now to our golden shoes. We talked on the show today about how important it is to uh, make fun of those lousy, stinking gators, and our golden shoe gives us a chance to do that. Chris Causey sent this in. Speaking of movies that I loved, I mentioned Casablanca a little earlier. A more contemporary movie that I also love there as well as The Usual Suspects. And the, <laughs> the uh, character played by Benicio Del Toro, one of the lines from the movie, he'll flip you for real. Well, guess what? That's what Kirby Smart will do there as well, especially when it comes to players who happen to be committed to those lousy, stinking gators. Uh, Kirby Smart will flip you for real. Chris Causey sent that. Very well done. Chris will give you a golden shoe for that. And our buddy the Mad Dog there as well. Speaking of flips and Flipper the Dolphin, Kirby Smart, a shirtless Kirby, riding on the back of Flipper, jumping over Billy Napier. That takes some real imagination to conjure all that. Uh, Mad Dog sent that to us. Uh, hashtag golden shoe, he says. Hashtag gold, go dogs too. Mike the Mad Dog, well-earned golden shoe indeed. That is quite a work of art there of Kirby and uh, Billy Napier. And yeah, Napier's got 
got more reason to be upset, and that is very funny to be able to see. And lousy, stinking Gators took an L to Georgia over the weekend, 138 days from right now. They will take another L at the hands of the dogs, we believe. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. As we said before, we do it each and every day, and we'll do it again tomorrow with you back here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. We will look forward to talking to you then.